0: Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host,
1: Jill. Awesome. I always hate the the recording in progress voice.
0: I'm like, please just calm down. Yeah. It always makes it feel so much more serious too when it announces like it does it's like we are now recording we are very serious here on the water women podcast (laughs) so welcome on how about you give our listeners a little introduction to who you are your name and a little
1: bit about what you do. Sure hi my name is Alicia Gill and um, I currently I work for the Coral Reef Advisory group in American Samoa, and my official title is the Marine Invasive Species Coordinator. Um, so I am, I'm brand new in this position, but hope <laughs> to help um, keep our marine ecosystem free from invasive species and help manage any that do happen to get through. and so yeah, that's. <laughs> Oh,
0: I love it. It's so cool. And the fact that your last name is already Gil, that's just the best. Like, I feel like you really, like, found your niche here.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of uh, destined, I think, to end up (laughs) in the water somewhere, somehow. Oh, yeah.
0: You really had no other choice. Like, it was predetermined. For sure. (laughs) I love that. My friends actually, an old prof or someone spelled my name, with a g, uh, g once and it like my friends to this day still call me gil and like it's yeah. always like that double joke of like oh it's gil but also it's like it's gil like a fish Gill, and you're in marine science like haha and it's one of those jokes you're like yep yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what made you we like we've made this joke about you being predetermined you had to end up here but what made you actually want to pursue marine science and how did you pursue it
1: I had kind of a, like, an unconventional pathway, I guess. So I I grew up in Montana, very landlocked state. Yeah, very. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, but my family loved the outdoors. I, like, grew up loving animals of all kinds, so I kind of always knew biology was of interest and um, I wanted to pursue something with animals, Um, but then um my we had some family like in Washington and so we uh decided one summer we were going to go to the Oregon coast and I was was very little um I was like five years old and the tide pools and the aquarium and everything just blew my mind and I was like I I love the ocean this is it I, I want to learn more about the ocean and so um my parents encouraged that and like all the documentaries like watching all of the stuff about coral reefs and the arctic and stuff i yeah so i remember in i think it was like fifth grade we had to do a career project and um i chose marine biology and i learned in that class that i was like oh i have to get a master's degree yep. <laughs> so, and- Yep. So from then on, that's all I knew. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my master's in marine biology (laughs) and figure it out from there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel like that's
0: kind of like what we all do is like, even when you're in your undergrad, you're like, yeah, marine bio. And people are like, what are you going to do with that? You're like, oh, I'll get my master's. Then what? Yep. Great question.
1: (laughs) Great question. No one knows the answer to it. (laughs) We're all still trying to figure that out. yes (laughs) I love that so what did you did you go on to get a master's I did so I first I stayed in state so I stayed in Montana and I got um, my undergrad in general biology so um, I have more of a terrestrial background in that sense but um, it's way cheaper to stay in state for college Um, for sure and yeah, knowing that I was gonna pursue a master's anyway, I figured general biology was would be totally fine. So I did that. I'm glad I did. Um, and then went on after- afterward to get my master's. And I went to the University of Guam, um, cool. which was like. Yeah, I, if you would have asked me at any point in my life, I envisioned myself studying um, somewhere on the west coast of the United States, and I thought that the coral reefs were something that were, like, so exotic and just out of my grasp, and then I, yeah, ended up studying <laughs> for my master's on a small island in the tropics. <laughs> I love that. What a great place to be for it. yeah. <laughs>
0: Really can't beat that. So, what was your master's? What did you study?
1: I studied the spawning, uh, success, and behaviors of the bird ras Gomphosus varius. Um, so they're this cute little, colorful, like bright blue green um, ras, and they, this at this particular location, they set up um, what are called. Leck-like aggregations, and so um, the males would defend like a small territory and uh, chase off any like planktivores from the area. And this is where they would display all day, and so they'd like swim in circles and flutter their fins and just look really pretty and (laughs) convince the females to come to them. And so it's really cool because I feel like a lot of times in nature you don't get a lot of this female mate choice. So um it's really interesting to see the females got to choose of the males who set up for the day who they were going to spawn with and basically I looked at um between the territories uh which one was more successful and how often planktivores came in and tried to eat their eggs and I guess gametes in general so sperm and eggs and um yeah try and figure out who who's more successful and why and how predation impacts that success
0: that is so cool so like how how did you go about studying that because I feel like that's a pretty that's a big question
1: yeah um I pretty simple answer actually I just um (laughs) sat in the water and watched fish spawn and counted yeah just counted how many times they spawned without any interruptions how many times they like started to go into a spawning rush so it's really obvious when they're spawning they will the male and female come together and swim towards the surface super quickly and then they release their gametes at the surface surface and then return to the bottom and so you see like the gamete cloud so you know okay they they did spawn that was a success and then you can wait and see if any of the planktivores come in to eat the gametes and then you can make a tally mark like okay that one had predation um if they don't spawn i like you can try and decide was it because um there was like a planktivore that scared them away or like it's it's harder to tell that but you can say like no they didn't spawn it was likely this other fish was, was, yeah.
0: Yeah. That is so cool. What an interesting Mm -hmm. choice for a master's. I love that. Like, I feel like we all think like when we first figure out as a kid that you can go on and pursue like marine bio to a master's level, you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. If someone had told like younger you, like, yeah so you're gonna go on and you're gonna look at fish spawning. You'd be like, what? like yeah <laughs> like very weird but so cool and such a such an interesting niche
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I, I mean I loved it I the behavior end of it I've always been fascinated by animal behavior animal behavior so that really like ticked that box but yeah I would have never guessed that I would just yeah watch it's funny fish how things sparring. work out
0: I love it it is I think yeah. it's so cool looking at different spawning methods of different fish and how like as you go through marine science or like even just biology in general, you kind of realize like fish is just like too broad of a term. Like in my head still, despite my degree, I'm like fish all the same in some way, at least. But then like even different fish spawn in such
1: different ways that it's like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, even the same fish spawn in different ways, which is just mind blowing. So like this lech like, aggregation I studied isn't how they all do it that same species will spawn in groups in other places so
0: it's
1: yeah it's it's wild why why do they do it this way here and another way there and how come that species chose that way and
0: (laughs) that is so interesting I just love looking at that with animals because it gives you like so many more questions which I think all the best science does the best types of science create more questions for more people
1: to answer yeah yeah which is, yeah, it's exciting and also infuriating because like you wrap <laughs> up this project and you think you're going to tie a nice little bow around it. But in reality, you have a million more questions yep. about <laughs> what you just did. <laughs>
0: yep. So I can't remember where I heard it, but I think one of my friends and I were talking about how science is basically just like trying to disprove or failing to disprove something. Like you can never prove anything. It's just right. just hoping that you yeah. get it wrong. And then you're like, wait. You wanted something to go wrong and it's like it will yeah. no matter what <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> so what are you doing now what did you do after your master's where did where did your master's take you
1: um it took me again kind of a winding pathway so i i went back home to montana right afterward i kind of needed a break um i think most of us after school just <laughs> yeah, yeah need a minute <laughs> and so I went home and I actually ended up working in Yellowstone for a while and um I did a whole bunch of ecology stuff in Yellowstone National Park um but I got to stay in the water and do some like stream surveys and look at the fish and invertebrates and algae in the streams um I worked at a ski resort for a couple <laughs> seasons just just <laughs> just kind of enjoying not um having a ton of deadlines (laughs) the best feeling and so but during this time you know I was thinking like okay so yeah what's next for me and it took me a little bit but I was like I do want to go back to the tropics I love the coral reefs and so um I just started applying to a bunch of uh conservation end of things I knew that I would I'm would much rather go into like applied science rather than continuing with research and I found this position here in American Samoa and um I was actually offered it back in January 2020 so yeah right right before the time things went yep yeah, and um yeah, because of the timing of that, I didn't get to move out here until August this year.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. So what are you doing out there? What is kind of like, I always ask what a typical day is like, and I get the same answer every time of like, there is no such thing as a typical day, but like, what's kind of your day-to-day like? Like, what are you responsible for?
1: What are you looking at? What are you doing? Um. So yeah, that's that's hard to answer. Um, I... <laughs> I'm also so like I said, I'm pretty like new in this position. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. Um, this position didn't exist before anyway. So there's like nobody oh, wow. who held it before me, um, which is kind of exciting. So there's a lot of potential for me to kind of develop this into something I want to do. But um yeah lately. So I've, it's been a lot of research. I'm learning a lot about like the shipping industry because invasives are transported through ballast water and whole fouling. Um, so I've been learning a lot about how boats work, um, <laughs> and just general biosecurity stuff. So that we're trying to get some legislation for biosecurity here. So that's something that I never thought I would be wow. learning about. Um, so I'm, yeah, trying to just absorb as much information as I possibly can. And then I've also, um, so my responsibilities kind of overlap with our like restoration efforts. And so I've got to help out with some coral restoration and general surveys around the territory. So um, yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, you're really wearing a lot of hats here. I love that. (laughs)
0: So cool. I feel like you touched on this a bit here, but we've talked about it a bit on the podcast before with different women and something that is really like not blindsiding, but it's not something you expect when you go into this field is having to be involved in and understand legislature. Because like I took a law class in high school and I was like, absolutely not. Anyone that wants to be a lawyer, they're crazy. Like I respect them, but not for me. And now like you get into university, you kind of go through it and you're like, okay, I want to make all these changes. I want to save the world. It's like, through legislature. Okay. great. You're <laughs> So you really have to kind of be like familiar with it. And it's definitely not something I feel like people go into marine science expecting.
1: Yeah, not at all. I never would have imagined it. Um, it's, it's so intimidating. Cause yeah, I same as you, I was like, that is not for me. I cannot imagine ever being involved in any of that. And Yeah, surprise. It's super important to marine (laughs) conservation. (laughs) Like, I feel scammed a little bit. I'm not gonna
0: lie. No one told me legislature and statistics would be this important in this field of work. And I feel lied to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love it. Um, It is really funny, but I feel like it's different from like, when I was taking that high school law class reading about like specific laws and like, all this stuff versus something that's like applicable to my day-to-day especially for you where it's like your job to be doing and something that you like at least hopefully care about and are interested in I feel like it makes it a little easier to kind of navigate and want to navigate
1: yeah yeah it it does I I think having kind of a direction to go like okay my interests do lie in this so there's there is incentive to learn it and it's not just like plowing through a law class or something which is yeah even just
0: my friends and I were talking the other day about how like it changes when you're doing something that you're interested in like reading papers for class about like like for me, I'm a whale girl. Everyone that listens to this podcast has knows that. They're like, please Jill, shut up about it. Um, <laughs> but like reading papers on worms and like stuff like that throughout undergrad, I was like, I maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I hate this. And then I get into my like secondary, or like post-grad stuff and like what I'm doing now. And it's all whale related. I can plow through a paper in 20 minutes. Like I'm like, oh, this is yeah. so interesting. I love it. So it's like when you get into that, like, focused area or something where you can see kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel like there's a tangible benefit to getting mm-hmm. through something it doesn't even have to be something that you're like I am so incredibly passionate about but like even for like a work project if it's like okay if I get through this amount of stuff like it's done don't have to look at it again makes it a little yeah. easier than just like endless reading from endless reports
1: yeah totally it yeah I never like you said in underground stuff you're just like just trying to get through one paper and it's so slow and so hard but now I find myself like I'll find a paper I'm like okay this paper talks about this specific thing like how ballast water has you know invasives and then it talks about a specific example and I'm like oh my god find all the papers on this now and I have just a folder full of things that I'm so excited to read and yeah it's
0: (laughs) you know you've made it when you're excited to read scientific papers like I feel like that's the baseline Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: (laughs) so talking a little bit about invasive species I love talking about invasive species I think they are cool but not in a good way
1: like they're definitely not great but right but they're fascinating like it's something that yeah something that is Picked up and put somewhere it's not supposed to be, but somehow does exceptional work. well. Like yeah, do well most times. Like right, what's going on
0: there? Actually, yeah, one of my favorite animals I learned was a an invasive species, and it, I just was like in shock because I was like, wait, because like I grew up on the east coast of Canada, and we have literally any coast you go to over here, like any beach you go to, you're gonna find green crabs. And mm. I was like, I love these guys. We have pictures of me, like, hanging them from my hair. Like, it's just, like, I love them. And then, like, we were in our marine semester and they were like, yep, these are incredibly invasive. Like, when you find them, kill them. And I was like, but I love them.
1: Like, yeah.
0: I yeah. <laughs> So it's so, like, invasive species are so interesting because they do so well and they can be, like, I'm doing air quotes right now but like a keystone species for locals who haven't known any different Mm -hmm. but be doing damage without us realizing it
1: they're so right yeah like I mean prime example of that the um lionfish in the Caribbean (laughs) and but out here so they're native out here and you hardly ever see them like it's such a treat to see them and it just it's so different from yeah the hate they get in the Caribbean versus like oh yay I found a lionfish and (laughs) 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 such beautiful fish yeah
0: versus like in the Caribbean where they're being like if you go out and you see when you're supposed to kill it or like
1: they're going Mm -hmm. to
0: cull them and like so different how it like it's insane yeah yeah love that so why is it important to prevent introduction of invasive species like obviously they still happen, but why is it something that you want to catch before it happens and like looking at ballast water and everything?
1: Yeah, there's a few, I mean, yeah, a few reasons, uh, they can do all different kinds of harm, whether it's economic. So like they can harm fisheries and, um, destroy people's livelihoods. They can also cause human health issues. So there's, Mm. um, different species that carry disease um there's uh, the tourism value. so um if an invasive species has like ruined your biodiversity that people come to see um yeah now that it's that it like of species, like,
0: yeah takes over to the point where there's n- none of the like original species are there mm-hmm. to come see yeah
1: yeah and it also causes yeah the ecological problems and it'll disrupt food webs and stuff and which is like what the lionfish has done in the Caribbean so they I mean they're voracious predators and they've eaten all of the reef fish and nothing eats them and so yeah it's there's so many reasons to prevent them um it's yeah and it's really hard to know like yeah what what introduced species is going to be able to become invasive because not all introductions are harmful um it it's very rare for something to become invasive which kind of feels weird because invasives are in our face all the yeah. time like I, I feel like everybody knows what an invasive species is right like Absolutely. people talk about them a lot okay maybe not everybody knows that was
0: <laughs> I know I sometimes I like say these things and I'm like is this everyone or is this just the very specific group of people that i am around for far too much of a time because like sometimes i'll say something that i think is like common sense like one day i was like talking to my dad i was like yeah like you know how we wouldn't be able to breathe without whale poop and he was like what and i was like oh my god come on never mind like catch up yeah. but definitely i feel like invasive species even for people outside of this very specific um, frame uh, do like they are something that you know about or hear about like even in news and stuff like everyday life they're brought yeah. up
1: yeah they yeah in land sea everywhere they they do they cause problems for many people and yeah for anybody who doesn't know so um, we can have introduced species which are species that are not native to this area and somehow they're brought in most of the time it's because of humans whether a seed gets stuck on your pants or socks or um, shipping or um, people releasing their pets into the wild. So all of those are the introductions of a non-native species, but for something to become invasive, they have to survive in that new habitat and not only survive, but reproduce and become established. So once they start reproducing and you have like a viable population, um, in order to be considered invasive, they have to cause some kind of harm and spread very rapidly. So there's a lot of blocks like in place for these introductions to um, fail essentially.
0: Yeah. But,
1: um, but if they do make it past those, then yeah, becoming invasive is just awful and it's super expensive to control. And so that's why this um, focus on prevention is so important because once something becomes invasive, it's millions of dollars and resources and personnel hours to go out and try to control the damage. Yeah. Or yeah. so to, to like to
0: try and take away an invasive species, like for how not easily they get introduced. Like the introduction to them is very easy, but for them to overcome all those obstacles that you mentioned it's so much work and then like to get rid of them it's like triple that amount of work like it's just like insane how much goes into even just trying to remove invasive species
1: right yeah and it's terrifying like how um for some things how simple it is for them to like become established uh like yeah um Insects. So any of those eusocial insects, um, bees and ants, all it takes is a queen. Like if one queen is brought, then you can have an invasive species, which is just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah.
0: So this is a question that I've asked specifically about green crabs, and I have never been able to get an answer. But it's just like like I grew up with green crabs. Like they were they've been an invasive species for. I don't wanna say hundreds of years, cause I don't actually know how long, but like at minimum 25 years, because that's my age. So like yeah. <laughs> a quarter of a century, like how long before they become just like a species that's here? Like they're no longer invasive. Well, I guess they like still are, but they're not like a new invasive species. Like they, they have their place almost in our ecosystem here now. So like, what does it take for an invasive species to become an established species or are they always just invasive species?
1: That's a great question. Um, I this is the answer I'm going to give you is may not be the right one. This is <laughs> just my fine. comment. <laughs> I think I think it takes a cultural shift. So like after you have this invasive species, like if it's already completely changed the ecosystem past recovery, um, I think it takes like that just term change the people who are seeing them and um the other end of it too is if they're still spreading down the coast um they're still invasive in other areas and changing these um ecological functions and economic harm and stuff so i imagine like if they once they've fully like they've spread as far as they can and the damage is done and there's no going back to the way it was before them i guess they they become an established species but it but it takes it takes the people, so like I mean in your lifetime, you're gonna always think of them as invasive, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, now like at this point, they've been around for my entire life, but I still think of them as an invasive species. So like for as right? long as I'm thinking of crabs, they're invasive species.
1: Yeah. So I imagine, you know, it takes a couple generations to be like, yeah, this is this is here. This is <laughs> what it is. But like I said, that's that's just my <laughs> my guess.
0: <laughs> that's our very expert opinion between the two of us. And if <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyone, if anyone tries to tell us we're wrong, I will listen uh, very hard because I would like to actually know, but I will not be happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question that I will probably look into. Yeah. Like if,
0: if anyone listening has like the actual answer, please DM one of us. Cause I feel like we both like just need to know now.
1: Yeah. Like for example, out here, so um, Polynesian introductions, um, which were thousands of years ago. So like coconut trees are not oh. technically native to these islands; they were a Polynesian introduction. And no way. Yeah. So cool. they, yeah, they're not considered an invasive because they, they're, they're here to stay. Yeah. Um. But they, they're not native.
0: That's <laughs> so weird yeah yeah it, like the line between like invasive versus just species is so like it's so blurred I feel like just yeah like, who knows who knows right so you mentioned like looking at ballast water in boats like how are you specifically looking at preventing in- invasive species or like managing that like what what are you looking at here
1: so there's um, legislation for that end of it. Um, there's mm, some the ways that you can, yeah, the fun part. <laughs> um, there's different rules you can make as far as like discharging ballast water and how often people need to clean their boats to enter the territory. Um, and yeah, this is this is the stuff that I'm very new to um, and learning. So. <laughs> um, yeah, ideally you get legislation, but also, um, we're hoping that there's, like, ways we can do outreach to help, like, encourage boat captains and boat owners, you know, to, to keep this in mind, um, because, like, keeping your boat clean benefits a boat owner as much (laughs) as it does the ecosystem, so it's, um, yeah, that end of things is not that hard, um, But let's see, there are a lot of regulations in place for um, like large container ships and stuff. So um, ballast water is really important for the structural safety and the crew safety of these ships, um, unloading and unloading goods. Um, So it's something that has to happen. Um, But there's a lot of really cool new technologies that ships can install that um, disinfects ballast water so there's like uv and chemical treatments that you can do so that hopefully when you're discharging ballast into a new location it doesn't have any living organisms in it cool and so i there's a big push um through like the international maritime maritime organization for um all ships to have these treatment on board um, there's And legislation is just wild and constantly changing. And so like the US has some new legislation that's um, making all of this much more difficult to understand, I guess. And we're kind of waiting to see what happens with this and if our hands are tied, I guess, on like how locally we can enforce different laws
0: to help protect
1: our waters. Um, So it's, yeah, it's a very complicated subject. (laughs) I feel like
0: that's a big issue with marine conservation and legislation is like, okay, everyone has their own specific area of the water, but like, like it's, it's so like trying to create laws for every country that that piece of water touches is just like almost impossible. It's so wild. Like there's. In um, the Bay of Fundy where I live, the poor beagle sharks, we have poor beagles, and we can't can't kill them here. Like we like we love our sharks. We take care of the poor beagles. There's a lot of tagging efforts for them to try and like up the population. Stones throw literally across a bay in the states, it, like you, they're fine to kill. They're like a trophy kill kind of thing. And so, like, you you know, these people because they're towns that are like right on the border of one another. And you'll tag a shark and you'd send that shark on its way. And a week later, you see that tag on somebody's, some guy's like Tinder profile. Like, look at this shark I caught. And you're like, oh, great. So, like, trying to enforce laws in water is just so because, like, the fish and the sharks and the animals don't really understand, like, hey, I can't go here, I need a passport, like, so, yeah, it's so weird trying to do that. Exactly,
1: because there, yeah, there's, like, the borders are just the lines that we draw on a map, but the, everything in the ocean, you know, has no idea, and yeah, the, a lot of sharks, a lot of those larger animals migrate all over, and they're in so many different countries' waters, and the laws change everywhere, and it's, it's also hard for like the people who are navigating these laws um like trying to do good yeah yeah the shipping companies who like go from one country to the next or one state to the next have to have an understanding of how their management practices need to change across borders which is just it's it's a lot and it's unfortunate and You know, there's this uh, law that I was referencing that the U.S. is trying to do. The the goal of it was to um, essentially, like, kind of make a blanket regulation to get rid of the patchwork, Mm. like, laws throughout the different waters. But it's that's 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 easier said than done. Yeah, And, you know, one law doesn't work for Alaska and American Samoa. Very different ecosystems. And so, yeah, a lot to think, a lot to think about. <laughs> it feels like one
0: of those issues that, like, if presented to a child with a childlike explanation, seems so easy to solve. Like, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. all these places have different rules, but they all like blah blah blah. And the child is just like, make them all have the same rules, and it's like, yes yeah. yes, great, you've got it, but we can't. Yeah. Ecosystems aside, like getting everyone to agree on something, I'm sorry, never happens. When has anyone no. ever agreed with anything? So no, but it's like yeah, hope for the future, you know, like there, yeah, we know what we need to do at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting it done and getting people to agree. And yeah, which, yeah, it's a process. It's a process. I'm, yeah. I'm so hoping-
0: oh sorry no go oh, ahead you go, you
1: go. <laughs> oh. um I was just gonna say I I'm hoping that um we can find something that works for everybody here and protects our waters and it's was, yeah hopefully hopefully we can s- <laughs> make it work <laughs> work together guys let's go yeah. we really just
0: like Problems would be solved if, like, once you graduated university, you had to go back to, or once you graduated high school or something, had to go back to kindergarten for, like, a year just to remember, (laughs) like, we have to work together. Yeah. That's it.
1: Let's be nice to everybody.
0: (laughs) So what would you say your favorite part of your job is or favorite part about what you're doing is? We've talked a lot about the Mm -hmm. negatives for the past little bit, but there's definitely some positives in there.
1: For sure. I the places I get to go and the things I get to see are just amazing. I, I love being in the water. And if I ever get like discouraged by all of these hurdles that we have to pass, you know, to make a difference in this world, I, I getting into the water and seeing like all these fish and coral and stuff just reminds me like, how beautiful it is, and what's worth protecting, and I'm so lucky that um, I can do that anytime here, and, like, our field work is just right outside our office, and, like, 10-minute drive away, and it's so great, and there's, like, I, we went to um, Ofu a couple weeks ago, which was just this (sighs) Gorgeous islands, gorgeous coral reefs um, in the American Park of America, sorry, um, in the Na- National Park of American Samoa. And yeah, we I helped um, our crew do some surveys and I just yeah, I, I got I got to swim. I was paid to swim around and look at fish and coral and I could it get better to do better than that. Yeah, I it can't. <laughs> it can't. No, you're right. That's it, done. It, that This is your peak, sorry. Yeah. I love it it. it. it makes it worth it for sure. All of the struggles and frustrations and kind of the doomism ism that we see a lot in this field. It can be very depressing to be in conservation, but.
0: It really is. I feel like you go into it with kind of like the sense of like, I want to change the world. And you come out of it with, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) well. (laughs) I'm doing my best and that's what matters. (laughs) Yep, I'm
1: (laughs) trying.
0: (laughs) We're all trying our best and that's what matters. And on that note, if some little girl was listening and wanted your advice, what would Mm -hmm. your advice be for her? Or a little, just a child listening to this that kind of wanted to pursue the same conservation path that you had taken? I
1: encourage everybody to reach out and ask questions and that goes for no matter where you're at in your education or in your career if you're a child ask questions ask your parents ask your teachers um it just in, be curious it's so important and then like as you grow older and like you're in university um it's important to like reach out to professors anybody who is doing something you're interested in making these human connections because you can't, you can't do it without other people. Like, yes. you can't do it alone. And Absolutely. I think making sure that you have people that will help you is so important. And you'd be surprised at how many people want to help and are so excited oh, to yeah. talk to you about your passions.
0: Absolutely. It's really one of the biggest shocks is finding out how willing people are to help. And you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's the best
1: (laughs) yeah it's always so intimidating to ask for something but everybody wants to help and (laughs) yes stop looking at people as like these like
0: on a podium because like what I've learned specifically from water women is like these people I reach out to I'm like like you for example your Instagram I'm like I love this girl she's amazing I want to be her and I like reach out and I'm like, hey, I'm I'm so nervous to talk to you. Hi. And every single time, like I've gotten very few responses that are anything other than, oh my gosh, yes, I'd be so happy to talk to you about anything. And I'm like, whoa, you guys are people too. Like you just kind of like yeah. social media now, I feel like has us all so like disconnected in a way that's like you forget that the people that you're reaching out to are also people or even profs yeah. that you're to. Are also people that are excited for human connection and want to connect.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's so hard because social media is nothing but a highlight reel and Very true. I'm everybody's guilty of it. And I like you see, you see my pictures of the pretty stuff underwater, but you don't see like me sitting at my computer like all week trying to understand legislation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. I love that. <laughs>
0: I lo- you do. It is really a highlight reel, but it's the best, right? Like as long as you can take it for what it is and know that it's a highlight reel, it truly mm-hmm. could not get any worse. Like, there you go. It's yeah. perfect. <laughs> so if someone wanted to check out your highlight reel and after this podcast, they want to follow along with you, where can they find you on social media? Um, I am on Instagram at intellectual girl. <laughs> Amazing. And definitely check her out because it is um of all the highlight reels on Instagram it's one of my favorites cuz like your underwater oh. photos and you live in such a beautiful place like it really like <laughs> it's amazing to see i love all the pictures i love following well, thank it. you <laughs> of course and that will be tagged down below and alicia thank you so much for chatting with me today i love talking about invasive species and i'm so glad we got to kind of like nerd out about it together yeah this was fun thank you so much for having me Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women Podcast. I love sharing these stories with you, and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast, and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.